cinephile. The Academy Award for Best Picture. La La Land. We lost, by the way, but, you know. I'm sorry. No, there's a mistake. There's a mistake. Wait, wait, Moonlight's one best picture. Moonlight won Best Picture. Whoa, we have a little... Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is incredible. Oh, Moonlight won wow. Best Picture. A drama I'm here at the Academy stunned. Awards. This is like Steve Harvey. Remember that? This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. We said earlier tonight, Ben, we were going to see a shocker. Is this is the shocker. Moonlight won Best Picture. Cinephile. The Adnan Verk Movie Podcast. Well put together there by my boy Dan Stanzik. What a wild and surreal night at the Oscars on Sunday. It already was going to be my favorite Oscars of all time because I was there. And then the way it ended and the fact the clip went viral and it's on Deadspin. And I haven't stopped talking to ESPN radio affiliates and was on SportsCenter with Steve Levy and Carrie Champion. It has been an unbelievable ride. Welcome to Cinephile. I would expect this better be our most downloaded podcast of all time. If we don't get record-breaking numbers for this one, Stanzik and I might as well just pack up shop. But first and foremost, I have more gifts. Whoever keeps sending me gifts, please, can you just send a card? Like, just, I can write back. I can give you a, a, something back. And it's more Scorsese books. Martin Scorsese, Melancholia, and The Mob. Scorsese's melancholic hero, Mark Nichols, argues, is the Hamlet of Hollywood cinema. Can't wait to knock that one out. And I've got another one here, The Philosophy of Martin Scorsese. And this book, how about this one? While he is perhaps best known for his films about gangsters and violence, his work addresses many philosophical subjects, such as friendship, vigilantism, and the nature of unhappiness. Mark T. Conard. Thank you so much. More gifts, more Scorsese books. Cannot wait. Let's do this in honor of Moonlight. We'll do it in the three-act structure. So I will do it with red carpet, actual Oscars, and then after parties. So we get to Hollywood on Friday, meet my man Ben Lyons. For those who are listening for the first time, which I hope we're getting a lot of new people listening now, Ben is a star. He is the guy who made this happen. I met his agent Ryan there. I was like, so you guys made this happen? He's like, yes. I'm like, how tough was it? He's like, it was a challenge because they're just like, I don't understand. Who's this guy at ESPN? Like, why are we having a sportscaster on Oscar.com? And they were like, just listen to his podcast, Cinephile. So all credit to Dan and Pete Genesini for letting us do this. He goes, listen for five minutes and you'll hear his passion for cinema and his knowledge. And But basically it was Ben vouches for him. Ben wants him with him. So let's just make it happen. So I owe my life. Um, and he's, you know, as soon as I meet him, he's like someone I've known for like 20 years. Maybe just because we're kindred spirits or we're just, you know, who else is talking about like, Kenneth Lonergan, and then we're joking about Othello Harrington and the Knicks back in the 90s. Like, I don't know how many people I could do that with other than him, but he's the best. So I see him Friday. We have dinner with the whole crew. They're great. These are professionals. Rich, our director, been covering the Oscars 20 years. You know, all these producers, it's, it's a well-oiled machine. I'm the neophyte just coming in from central Connecticut. Saturday, more rehearsals. So now I'm getting pretty wide-eyed as Ben's noting. He's like, he cannot wipe that smile off my face. Permagrin. We go for dinner at Republic, which is a very L.A. eatery, you know, shared plates. And we see a celebrity there who Ben is going to join us later. He will disclose who it was and how carefully he was to tell me who the celebrity was sitting just to our left. Sunday's the actual show. So red carpet time. People want to know, were you nervous? The only time I was nervous was getting dressed because I'm a clown and I hadn't worn a tuxedo since my brother's wedding. And Dan, as I'm putting it on, you have to put special buttons on. Okay, that's all right. Cufflinks are a bit of a pain, but I'm getting a little bit nervous now because I'm going... All right, I don't have any responsibilities for red carpet. All I had to do was go to the rehearsal from, like, noon to one. So even the night before, like, I slept great. Like, Kathy Leogrand's like, did you sleep, A, eight hours, B, two hours, three, 40 minutes? I'm like, no, I went to bed like 11. Me and Ben went over dinner. I went back. I slept. I got up, went to the gym. Robin Roberts crushing it at the gym with me. Now we do this thing. Had more rehearsal, went back. That was the only stress because Ben goes, listen, I think I'm doing Pacific time here. So it was 2 o'clock. He goes, come down between, like, you know, 3 and 5 for red carpet. And then 5 o'clock, I got to be backstage. The only time I was getting harried was I was like, oh, my God, like everybody else is so professional and I'm an idiot. Like Ben had his tuxedo pressed. Safira hosts her dress is gorgeous. I'm just this clown going like, oh, I can't get cufflinks in. And then you know how to tie your own bow tie. Here's the part. And thank you for guessing. I put the bow tie on because when I had bought the tux, because Ben goes, listen, let's be confident. You're going to buy one. You're not going to rent it. It's going to be an annual thing. When I bought it, I said to the guy, I don't know how to do a bow tie. He goes, don't worry, I'll get you one already done. What happened when I put the bow tie on? Fell apart. Too loose. And I have no idea how to tighten it. So it's now 2.48. Now, I don't have to work until 5 o'clock, but I got to get to that red carpet. I'm like, I got to see what's going on here. And I have a loose bow tie. Like, I look like an idiot. 
I run downstairs backstage. I see a couple guys, Joe and Sean. They're awesome. I go, can you help me? And the guy goes, uh, no. I go, what do you mean? I go, can't you just fasten it? He goes, it's like a clip-on tie. Like, you can't, you can't adjust it. I was like, what? There has to be, like, a strap. He's like, no. Thankfully, the guy, Sean goes, just here, you can take my bow tie. This, these guys saved my experience. I'm like, thank you so much. Take his bow tie, go down there. When you go to the red carpet, you go downstairs, there's an escalator. The first thought I had, bright. Like, you want to do three words, the words would be bright, overwhelming, and red. <laughs> the light of it was unbelievable. And the way it's set up is they have bleachers for fans. Like, it's a sporting event. I had no idea. There's there's bleacher seats. You go to a high school basketball game, you know where they have bleachers? That's what it is at the Oscars. Bleachers are brought in for fans. Then there's what I would like to call the easy pass, fast pass lane. A couple of barriers set up, and it's very narrow, and that's where the stars, and they walk and get their picture taken. If they don't want to talk to the media, they can just wave to the fans and go right down that easy pass line. More on that in a second. Then you have the red carpet, which is actually a very wide, expansive space. And then you have all the assembled media there. So people say, is it chaotic? I would say it's controlled chaos because you've got frenzied on the right with the media, frenzied on the left with fans. But in the middle where I was, it was actually quite spacious. And so... I have my pass, and they had kept emphasizing, and this is very much like a sporting event, keep your credential on at all times, like no matter what, because we have people who have lost a credential, and guess what? They don't get into the Oscars. They're out. You get booted. Simple. Like Nobody can vouch for you at that point, and do not violate that. They have an actual Oscar jail. I said, come on. They go, no, no. There's an Oscar jail. I said, what are the number one infraction that people commit to go to Oscar jail? Taking pictures. So when you're on the red carpet, with my iPhone, they go, you cannot take pictures because they, they looked at my pass and they have to have like the insignia of a camera. So in my head, I'm like, so I can't do like some sort of vine. They go, no, 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 no. I'm like, do not start taking this video of Meryl Streep and posting it or you will get thrown out of here. I'm like, all right, got it. So when I first went down there, but as but Dan had texted me, hey, make sure you take a picture of yourself with the tux on the red carpet. And I'm like, okay, how do I do that? And somebody had said, well, there are the insignia of the camera on most of the photographers. So just find the Oscar.com people. One of the girls, Gracie goes, I'll take a picture for you. And then we're good. Like, got it. So as I walked down, but when the security guard sees me and lo and behold goes, Hey, and I looked and I clearly looked like it was in the wrong place. Cause the light was so bright. And I was like, wait, where am I? Like, you're about to get hit by a car. And he goes, Hey, I know what's up. I love your, I love your podcast. I'm like, yeah. One of the security guards, Tom, big heavy set guy. I'm like, all right, thanks man. And I said, can you take a picture of me? He's like, oh, you're only allowed to take a picture if you got the icon. I'm like, no, I know. And they kind of smiled. He's like, don't worry, I got the icon. So he shows me his little security pass. So he takes a picture. Danny tweets it out, so everyone gets to see me on the red carpet. But now, think about this. Two hours, I'm not working. Ben and Sophia. Sophia Carson is with us from Disney's The Descendants. She's with Ben doing the pure red carpet interviews. You see Seacrest, Robin Roberts. Troy Gentile from The Goldbergs, which is a hilarious show on ABC. He's up with the fans doing that stuff. I'm off the clock. I'm just two hours of hanging out. So my whole approach now is just talk to the people that you had on Cinephile and then hopefully the biggest star is there. So the first person I saw was Vigo going down the line. And it literally is like going down the line. It's a procession. He talks to Entertainment Tonight Canada. Then he goes to Ryan Seacrest. Then he goes to Mario Lopez. Then he goes to Chris Connolly. And it's literally da 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 So even though the space is very wide, I go, I can just walk up one of these people. But they're just locked into the interview and the publicist is right there next to them. And the biggest thing I realized about all this Oscars experience – those publicists are critical. And Ben had said to me, he goes, if you want to meet Denzel Washington, it's more important that you see the publicist and catch his or her eye and say, can I say hi to Denzel? Because if you just go up to these people, like security will grab you, the publicist will say no, and that's it. So I noticed right away, you know, with Vigo, the publicist is right there next to him. So don't just tap him on the shoulder, like while he's doing his interview. Obviously, wait, because as soon as the interview is done, wham, publicist grabs his elbow. Here's the next one. And it's like stop and start. It is a real procession. So I had to wait for the right time when the interview ended, and then I just jumped in, and I go, hey, Vigo, my name's Adnan. I'm from ESPN. I did an interview with you in July on my podcast, Cinephile, when Captain Fantastic first came out. And he kind of was just nodding, and I go, I'm Canadian. You know, we talked to the fact I'm from Kingston, Watertown. He's like, no, I remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say congrats to your nomination. Thanks. He's like, no, no, thank you for doing that. Really, really good to see you. So it was just a quick, brief second, but I'm like, all right, at least put a name to the face. He was polite, modest. Barry Jenkins publicist. Go ahead. I'm surprised you didn't make a Rough Riders joke. No, 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 no. CFL. No, I just had to say Kingston because when I just said ESPN, it was kind of like that. But once I said Kingston, he goes, oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you? Good to see you. He's like, I remember that. Good to see you. All right. Have fun tonight. Great. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, director of Arrival. He was doing the procession, so I jump in. He I thought there'd be more because I go, hey, Denis, uh, my name's Adnan. I'm Canadian. My buddy, Ger I wanted to thank you. My buddy, Gurdip, was in your film. I just wanted to thank you for putting Gurdip in the movie. That's awesome. He's like, oh, thank you, thank you. I'm like, and that was it. They just kept going. I'm like, I thought he'd be like, oh, so what part of Canada are you from? But Denis was just like, all right, thank you. See ya. 
Um, so then now back to the publicist, Barry Jenkins, publicist, Paula Jenkins had emailed me, uh, Paula Woods, excuse me, had emailed me ahead of time said, Hey, we'll be looking for you tonight. So like, this is a true publicist. Like she, she is on it. And then that shows that she actually cared as much as I cared to see Barry. So when I saw Barry going down the line, um, I kind of looked to see Paula's placard. I saw it was her walked up. I go, Hey, Paula, I'm mad. And she goes, Hey, how are you? She goes, give me one second. As soon as Barry's done, I'll bring him to you. And literally it's like that. I will bring him to you. So Barry finishes and he sees me. He's like, hey, man, slap hands, big hug. Uh, I said, I just want to grab a picture. So with the picture, I was like, okay, again, as long as I don't do it. But if the publicist is doing it, it's fine. And Paula goes, here, give me your phone. I'll snap the picture. And I'm like, I won't tweet it from my account. I'll give it to Stanzik. If Dan sends it from Cinephile, I don't think that it's an issue. Like, I think we're, we're all right there. So uh, I see Barry. I'm like, how you feeling, man? He's like, great, great. And I said, um, FSU in the house. And he smiled. He's like, yeah, everybody's watching back in Tallahassee. They're all fired up. And I said, I really want to thank you for coming on my podcast. I said, my producer, Dan, said you could tell within like 10 seconds that you were really into it. And we can always tell the people that are or are not. And he said, thank you so much, man. It was really cool to do. After we had done that interview, I'd actually messaged him again. I was like, I'm an idiot. I forgot to ask you, what's the song that they play at the end where he says, hey, Chiron, they keep playing our song. So it's called Hello, Stranger by Barbara Lewis. He said, I heard it in San Francisco years ago, and I loved it. And normally, you know, on set, they add the music after. But he goes, I wanted the crew to feel that music. So I actually had it playing in the jukebox, like take after take. So when I saw the red carpet, I go, Hello, Stranger. I keep listening to the track. He's like, it's a great song, right? I said, yeah, I can see how you, in some ways, you built that closing sequence of Moonlight around it. And then I said, is Hirsch here yet? And he goes, no, I think he's coming shortly. And then I said, you know, I've got you winning for screenplay. And he said, yeah. And I, I got Mahershala winning for Sporting Actor. And I said, I think you got a puncher's chance of winning Best Picture. And Barry Jenkins smiled at me and goes, yeah, I think you're right. So I, I don't want to say he predicted it, but it wasn't. Whenever it keeps going Moonlight Shocker, I'm like, he was a confident guy there while still being humble and embracing him. And then I said, I'm going to see you backstage when you win the Oscar. And I was talking about screenplays. Like, all right, man, thank you. Hug it out again. Thank you to Paula. See ya. So now I'm just going to wait for Mahershala. So when he walked in, He's getting bombarded because, again, they take their picture. Chris Connolly is like like um, Michael Buffer. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, Mahershala Ali. And so the crowd hears him. The media obviously is erupting. He takes his official picture, and then he goes down the procession. Ladies and gentlemen, Emma Stone. I'm like, this gig's awesome. I just want to be the announcer for the Oscars. It's like someone at the Masters announcing the tea time. <laughs> That's exactly what now it was like. Now on the tea. Oh, when, when Lyons told me, I go, you're kidding. He goes, you're going you're gonna to lose it when you see Connolly doing it. I'm like, oh, my God. From <laughs> Kingston, Ontario. <laughs> at Nanberg. It was so ridiculous. By the way, at one – no, this is uh, – this, you're not even going to believe this. At one point, I heard someone say, is that Adnan Burke? And I turned around, and it was Fox News. And I go, there's no way Fox News knows who I am. But I swear it was in that vicinity. There's somebody in the media did, because I looked like an idiot. Because you have to understand, this red carpet is all celebrities, security, and then me, who's just strolling along. Because working media was behind the barrier. Like, Brian, Ben was set up with Sophia, like, the other end with Robin Roberts. I'm the only media member who was just walking. Like, Judd Apatow then walked by me, and I go, hey, Judd. He's like, hey, what's up, man? And, and I, again, you know, you know my thing. I don't like to say what's the obvious. So I don't want to say, Hey, I love train wreck. So what I said to him was, and in the split seconds, the first thing that came to my head, I go, Hey, Judd, I loved your book. And he's like, Oh, thanks. I go, that was such a generous thing that you put all your interviews with comedians. Like you could have just bragged about yourself, but you showed all your experiences and the brilliance of other comedians. And I love Gary Shandling and Seinfeld. And he's like, Oh, thanks. And he goes, so what are you doing? And I said, Oh, I'm just here with ESPN. Cause I, I if I say Oscar.com, they go, all right. But once I just say I work at ESPN, I'm here with Oscar.com. He goes, Oh, what'd you think of my 30 for 30? I didn't remember in the second, but he was part of Doc and Daryl. I guess he had either produced it or co-directed it. So, And that film was reviewed on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. So he kind of like, yeah, 30 for 30. He walked me. I'm like, all right, cool. So now Mahershala, I'm waiting. So now when he first got his picture taken, I see his publicist taking him, and she's all business. I'm like, they're, they're focused here. Like, I've got to be very quick in here. And he's about to go down the easy pass line. So I'm like, oh, no, is he skipping the media? But I'm like, no, he must be going somewhere, and he's going to come back. So I'm like, I'll wait in the easy pass line, so to speak, so he'll see me and I'll catch his eye. So that's exactly what I did. He's waving to the fans. He turns, he sees me. He's like, hey, slap hands, hug. And he turns to his publicist immediately. He goes, this is Adnan Virk from ESPN. Make sure I talk to him when I come back. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, what a good guy. Because like he knew that he had to tell the publicist first because she's the one running the show. And this is his moment. Like he's a journeyman actor who's now about to win an Oscar and everybody knows it. And he's got one hour before the show to hit up as many major media organizations as possible. He cannot waste five minutes talking to some guy from ESPN. So he, that's what he used to tell them. Like, hey, I have to talk to him when he comes back. Like, all right. 
after that, I see Kenneth Lonergan walking. I'm like, yes, Lonergan. So again, the writers, directors, they're kind of more casual. So I said, hey, Kenneth, just want to say how much I loved your film, Manchester by the Sea. I'm pulling for you tonight for screenplay. He goes, thank you very much. I said, I'm here with, uh, again, I said, I'm from ESPN, but I feel like they think I'm here with ESPN because then he said, hey, congratulations to you guys. And I'm like, uh, and he goes, unbelievable documentary because that's one of the best documentaries. <laughs> I'm like, he thinks I'm Ezra Edelman. I'm like, <laughs> he thinks I'm like one of the producers or directors. I'm like, oh, yes, yes, I was uh, heavily involved with that production. So I said, can I get a quick picture? Like, yeah, the picture Danny texted uh, was unbelievable because the Danny's got to stop, by the no, way. No, no, I don't no, know no, what we're doing it's here. It's all Danny because when I saw the standings and we'll get to LeMoyne College, it's all Danny all the time. So it's Danny the rest of the way. So Lonergan, as, as Dan tweeted from the Cinephile account, like, you know, Barry's got a big smile. Mahershala, as we'll tell in a second, was happy. Lonergan just looks just disheveled, like like just a classic writer pose, disheveled, not smiling. Like, yeah, Kenneth Lonergan, you're awesome. Analyze this. So Mahershala came back. He starts in the procession. Now, like, it's getting a little dicey. Uh, you know, now it's like maybe 4.15, 4.30. But I'm like, I'm just, I just got to get a picture of them. I just have to thank him. It's important to me. And then I hear a roar from the crowd. And I always wanted to hear, like, who was the person when they walked in? Like, as, as you said, when you go to the tee. When Pharrell walked in, big roar. Uh, John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, big roar. Biggest roar that I heard, Meryl Streep. I, it was like stadium noise. I turned, I'm like, what the? And she skipped the media. She went right easy pass, although very classy. She would turn, blow kisses, turn, blow kisses. So again, I'm like, unlike Mahershala, she's not going to catch my eye and stop. But I just want to at least say I was in her vicinity. So she walked right by me. I can see I, I breathed the same oxygen as Meryl Streep, and she was right Did there. you tell her she's overrated? <laughs> hey, there's that noted overrated actress, Meryl Streep. Wouldn't have the stones to do that. I, wanted to, I loved you in Florence Foster Jenkins. Like, what? Who is this guy? Jeff Bridges then walks by. So now I'm like, I'm, now I just, I feel my element. I'm like, just, just, it's five seconds. Oh, Casey Affleck then walked by and it's just two seconds. Hey, Casey, I'm from ESPN. Loved your movie. He's like, yeah, okay. Thanks, buddy. Like, just keeps walking. We're just All right, great. Jeff Bridges now, and he doesn't, he's not doing the procession yet. He just walked in. So I'm like, I've got maybe a little more time, like five more seconds. So, hey, Jeff, I'm Adnan from ESPN. I just want to say congratulations for Hell or High Water. Great to see you. Said, thank you. Thank you. Good to see you, too. And I said, again, i got to go with a movie that not everyone says. Everyone always just mentions Big Lebowski. So I said, hey, I just want to tell you I love the movie Fearless. I thought you were awesome in that. And he looked genuinely taken aback. He was like, really? I said, yeah, I thought it was an incredible movie, and I thought you were awesome in it, man. And he goes, wow. He goes, you know, that's one of my favorites, too. I really appreciate you saying that. I'm like, all right. So that was my Jeff Bridges moment on the red carpet. Then I saw Michael Shannon. I'm like, yes, I've got to talk to Michael Shannon. He's the best. But he's doing the procession, so it's going to be tough again. But I got enough just I, – I literally jumped in. I think the publicist did give me a dirty look. And I'm like, hey, Michael, I just want to say you're awesome. You're one of the most underrated actors. You steal every minute. He's like, hey, thanks, buddy. I'm like, yes, Michael Shannon. Gave you. Hey. He's not well. Yeah, yeah, he's I, not I know. Well. I wanted to say that. He's not well. Just start yelling to the crowd, pointing at Michael Shannon. He's not well. Uh, ben, by the way, later interviewed him with Sophia. I'll ask him when he comes on because he has his own Michael Shannon experience, which immediately I took a picture of him interviewing Michael Shannon, sent it to Dan, which he tweeted, Michael Shannon's the best. So now we got away from rehearsal, and now it's getting tight. Now it's like 448. I'm like, i got to be back there at 5. So I'm like, let's not mess around here. And then I said, and I realized the publicist is like, no, no, because she's, and I understand this. It's like interview, interview. This guy's not interviewing. He's just somebody. Like, no, we're, no. So I was like, I've got to get his eye again. And then I happened. I literally had three minutes. I turned and he saw me. Now he hugs. He goes, where's your, where's your camera? And I said, and she jumps in right away. Like, he's backstage. And then he's like, all right. And then I said, I just want to get a quick picture, man. He's like, yeah. Take the picture. And then uh, my cousin, Salim, who's tight with him. I said, Salim texted me. Congrats on the baby. He's like, thank you, man. And I said, two and a half hours. And he's like, yeah, she just knocked it out. <laughs> I started dying. The funniest way to describe your wife having a baby. Like, yeah, man, she just knocked it out. I'm like, awesome. And I said, uh, how are you feeling? Because now it, I, you know, I thought of it after. I'm like, I'm looking in the eyes of a guy who's about to win an Oscar because we all knew he was going to win. So I just kind of wanted to see what that was like for me and for him. And I'm like, how are you feeling? And he was like, yeah, man, we'll just, uh, you know, inshallah, it all goes well. So it, meaning by the grace of God. And I'm like, yeah, I go, listen, it, it's going to happen, man. Like, I'm, I'm going to see you backstage. I know I've been praying for you. I'm like, this is going to happen. And then he gave me a big smile. He's like, I hope so, man. I hope so. Big hug. And I was like, yes, Mahershala is going to do this. Like it was, it was pretty cool to just kind of share that moment with him. Um, so then I was like, all right, I've checked out Vigo, Barry. I got Mahershala. So those are the guys on my podcast. I would kind of like to see Denzel. So now we got maybe five minutes and Denzel just walked in. Mel Gibson's there. So it's cool. Like in my head, I'm like, don't take a picture because you're going to get tossed out of here. But it was a nice image framed in my head of Denzel and Mel Gibson talking because they uh, shook hands, hugged it out. I'm like, what? Like, to be a fly on the wall, I like, just get a little closer. What's that conversation? 
My cousin Nyla texted me yesterday. I don't think she listens to the podcast, so I'm free to say this. She was like, yeah, exactly. What do you? People just want the stories. You have to listen to the podcast. Like, how was it? I'm like, well, you'll find out Tuesday. Download it. Go to iTunes. She goes, who looked uh, prettier than you think or who was uglier and who was a jerk? And I'm like, I'll tell you what, good question, but she should listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. So I said, um, everybody looks awesome. Like, it's the Oscars. Like, everybody is decked out of the lines. Like, Taraji P. Henson walked by me. I think when I first got the red carpet, I'm like, wow. She's pretty. Like you just you walk by like this. Everybody is dolled up. Uh, but the one that would stop traffic, the one that I would give any guy was like, wow. Halle Berry. No, when Halle Berry walked in, I'll be honest, she's very pretty, obviously, but the hair was just like so wild and just kind of, I was like, what's going on there? That was Scarlett the Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, very pretty. When she walked by, I'm like, yep. I'm like, you can see how pretty she is. Her makeup's done well. She's smiling. She's waving to the crowd. You won't get it. Priyanka Chopra. Oh, yeah. Come on. When she, I was like, that was, oh, my. I saw her like, that is a gorgeous woman. Like, that, I think she's one Miss Universe. I'm like, yes. Quantico. Yes. Bollywood star who's now in Quantico. I'm like, she was the one. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And as far as guys, because I know the ladies want to know, Gosling, fantastic. Like, when he walked in, I'm like, yeah, he, just a handsome man. Not as tall. Like, not that tall. A little taller than me. Probably 5'10". But just a handsome man. I wanted to get like 10 seconds for, hey, Ontario boys, because he's from London. Hey, a little London Kingston. But he was a little demure, I would say. What movie would you have dropped with him? I was going to say Half Nelson. I figured you'd yeah, like, Hey, I loved Half Nelson. He'd be like, thanks, man. But yeah, he kind of walked in. I saw him do a quick wave. He was, he was kind of waiting with his publicist. And then it was almost like, can I go easy pass? I'm like, yeah. So if they go easy pass. They just skip the whole media and like he just shoot it. But he's nice. Like, he waves to the crowd. They're going nuts. And then they walk right in. So now I've hit all the people that I wanted to hit. I saw Denzel, Mel Gibson. Obviously, I checked earlier on. I'm like, no Scorsese, right? They're like, yeah, Marty's not here. I'm like, all right, that's all I really cared about. Let's get out of here. So I got to go back. Now it's like 5 o'clock. And it's 4.56, actually. And the stage director who's with Ben and Sophia goes, hey, not to bust up your phone, but you got to get back. I'm like, yeah, I know. I start going up the, the actual steps that you do to go to the Dolby Theater from the red carpet. But it's packed. And now my heart is leaping. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be late. Like, I don't know how to get up here. Like, there's like there's just too many people. I'm like, is there like another elevator? I'm like, like I'm I'm such an idiot. I'm here working, and I I got swept up in the moment. Now I'm going to miss my spot. So now my heart is really pounding, and I had to go up like a back escalator. And I had to security. I'm like, how do I get to the backstage? Like where the winners win, and they go in there. He's like, oh, go follow me. So I got there at five oh three. It wasn't an issue. There was like, oh, you're here. I'm like, yeah, great. But honestly, I, I, they did have that paralyzing thought in my head. I'm like, I'm going to blow this opportunity. I like the transition. So that's act one. Act two. So now the show begins. So like I said, any nerves I had was only when I was getting dressed and how I couldn't get the bow tie going. After that, I'm like, no, this is awesome. And and exactly as Ben had said to me, he goes, you're going to be in such your element. We're just going to talk the Oscars. It's as if we're on our couches and we're just going award, award by award. So Troy and Sophia come back there and it's the four of us. We start the show. And for those that were not watching, you know, you're watching the Oscars on Oscar.com. We're also watching it, but it's a second screen experience. So there's 20 different cameras. We're showing you the backstage. We're showing you the thank you cam. We're showing you the audience cam. It was actually a really great way to experience the Oscars. Like last night, I had to actually watch them to see what Kimmel said and all the awards and speeches. But this one was really cool because you'd see the audience in between breaks and who talks to who and who's chewing gum. And just like, you know, it was really kind of a, a unique way, I think, to present the Oscars. I, I think for anybody, if you're watching it, just put us up on your iPad or iPhone or I know Dan, you were watching a little bit. I, I think it is a nice complimentary way to do it. Yeah, no, it was fun. I mean, I was obviously listening to the broadcast itself, had right. you guys kind of lower volume, but right. then when they went to commercial, I stayed on you guys. Right. Cause exactly. And that was what the advantage we had. My cousins, I had said that he goes, yeah, you guys weren't going, it was a commercial free. So that way I'm like, Oh, you guys are good in the commercials. Um, so literally it would just tell us the award and go from there. So I had five awards. I'd say of the ones that I wanted to see win. Of course, those three, Mahershala, uh, Barry, um, Vigo, Vigo, the one best actor, like, yeah, cinephile. Uh, Silence, of course, the only nomination was for cinematography, and then Salesman for foreign film. So, when what would happen is they would say, okay, like, literally, they're, you know, our producers in our ear are talking, and Ben would say, okay, now we're talking foreign film. Adnan, what are you, what are you hoping for? And I said, honestly, Ben, if the Salesman wins, I'd be thrilled. Uh, you know, Oscar Farhadi is a brilliant filmmaker, and uh, he did a separation, which he won for previously. And earlier, I was looking for him. What they would do also, sorry, another red carpet story as we go back. They hold a sign up for like, let's say you're nominated for sound mixing. Because obviously, unfortunately, people don't know who they are. So that way, the media, if you want to talk to them, you can grab them. So I had seen a woman holding a, a sign that said the salesman. And there are four people walking. But I know what Farhadi looks like. He's short. He has a, a beard, goatee, you know, balding on top. So I'm like, well, that's not Farhadi. So obviously, once the award got presented, I figured it out. I'm like, oh, because of the whole uh, travel ban he had said at that time, even though it was, of course, now overturned, he was like, I don't, I'm not going to attend the Oscars. So at the time of the red carpet, I wanted to ask the woman, like, where's Farhadi? But I know he only speaks Farsi, doesn't speak English. So I didn't know the whole story. 
So afterwards, I thought that was very cool. When I watched the Oscars, they sent up those Iranian-Americans on his behalf and then had the prepared statement. So when basically this is how it would be. Ben and I are just literally talking. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Well, Tony Erdman is supposed to win Germany. And then a producer goes, uh, guys, the salesman has won. So I'm like, so I can like fist pump as a fan. I'm like, yeah, all right, salesman, Farhadi is a great filmmaker, blah, 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 blah. Away we go. So as each award is happening, and we'd get a little bit of a break, which I didn't think we would. I mean, ben had said, listen, we're going to go the whole way through. But actually, we'd have... I had a couple breaks, I'd say, between the entire show, a good 15 minutes, go grab a bite to eat, check my phone, tweet away, text away, and go back. So as the awards are unfolding, no real big surprises, and you're trying to catch what Kimmel's doing. Like, we saw the tourist bit, because we actually went for, like, what you would call in sports, a live looking. So I saw the three minutes of that, so I got a feel for that. Uh, the monologue, we saw the first few minutes, so I knew he was crushing Matt Damon, so I got those jokes as well. But it was kind of odd. Like, afterwards, I'm like, you have to go back and watch to see what we've missed. But the, the awards are unfolding, and I feel like it's a pretty good pace. And it's fun. People are tweeting, texting away. So now we get to the major awards. Uh, so for actor, I thought it was going to be Denzel because he'd won the SAG. Casey wins. All right, great. And what happens is when they win, they walk down this long hallway. They get their picture taken of the portrait. And then they walk out. And then it's us. So like where our stage is behind us is where the Oscar winner would walk in. And there's 75 photojournalists there taking pictures. And they're with the presenter. And then they go into another room. And that's where this huge boardroom of all the media is there. So we would be talking, you'd hear an eruption and, you know, you're staying in the moment, obviously live TV, you're just talking. But at some point when the camera would dip down or go to video, I would always turn to see, oh, who just walked in? So when Jason Bateman and Kate McKinnon walked in, I could hear a big roar and they had presented whatever Oscar it was. I'm like, oh, hey, there's Jason Bateman. The only time I actually want to get up out of my stage and I had said to the, the stage director, can you just take a picture for me, was when Michael J. Fox walked in because he and Seth Rogen had uh, presented one of the awards. I'm like, oh my God, there's Michael J. Fox. But then, and Ben even made a mention, I think, on the air. He was like, yeah, I wants to go hug Michael J. Fox. I'm like, can I? <laughs> Someone just, just let me go like for two minutes. Is that all right? That'd be a pretty good picture, I think. So we get to the major awards, like I said. Here's a moment of truth. Everybody wants to know what happened with Best Picture. So they bring all four of us back. Richard, director, who's great. The whole crew's been sensational. And they just say in our ear, okay, La La Land has won. So Ben starts saying, okay, no surprise. And, and by the way, we had used all of our bullets on La La Land, but now we just keep saying the same stuff, right? Contemporary feel. And it's uh, harkening to the past, and Sophia, as an actress, because she works on Disney's The Descendants, she's like, oh, I just love the cinematography and the music, and Troy's a young actor, Goldberg's, he's like, oh, man, you go to the movies, it's for fun, blah, blah, blah. And then the stage director, Denny, who looks a little like Brian Denny, he noted character actor, is looking at me, because I'm standing behind all three of them, and he starts pointing feverishly. And I turn to my right, and I just saw the big full-screen TV, and that's where all the photojournalists are watching. And all I saw was a very flustered-looking Warren Beatty. And then I saw the moment when the producer, the first producer of La La Land, had grabbed the card and held it up saying, Moonlight won Best Picture. So when I first turned this clip that everyone has seen now on Deadspin, and when I said, Moonlight won Best Picture, I, that's why I said it like that, like literally as a statement. It would be like if Joe Buck had just said, David Tyree made the catch. Like, no, he didn't. Like, what just happened? Because I didn't actually know. It wasn't like someone had told me. So I just looked, I go, Moonlight won Best Picture. And then you pause, and then it cut to the shot of Barry Jenkins. And then I was like, Moonlight's won Best Picture. Like, oh, my goodness. And then, then it was like a Giants win the pennant type situation. Oh, my one best picture. And so I'll get to the how this call is now taken on a life of its own. But that's what was happening. And the best part of it is, Ben, you hear in that call say, still a great night for the Oscars, Adnan, because he knew in that moment everybody was going to say, oh, what a gaffe, what a terrible moment. And yet we're working for the Academy. We are Oscar.com. We're not going to be one saying, oh, Faye Dunaway has egg on her face. And now people have heard it. They're like, oh, well, you messed it up. I'm like, well, I didn't. Again, live stream, I did not know what was happening. I did not see it. I did not hear it. So when I said Warren Beatty read the wrong name, obviously, now that I've seen it, Faye Dunaway was the one who read La La Land. Uh, but semantics aside. So then we start talking. Now, it, it, being in that room, that buzz was nuts because you just see open mouth everywhere. The camera people, the media's like, what just happened? And it was twofold. It was Moonlight won Best Picture. Like, the upset has happened. This is the biggest upset since 98 when Shakespeare in Love – beat Saving Private Ryan, and then twofold, wait, they got it wrong? They had the wrong envelope? And that's why the first thing that I thought of was that Steve Harvey moment. I'm like, yeah. And then I was so happy when I saw it back and I saw Jimmy Kimmel made the same joke. I'm like, yeah, he and I show the same brain. That's the first thing I thought of was Steve Harvey. So we're just, and, and, then, and then in the moment it hit me, I'm like, I just saw Barry Jenkins on the red carpet. This guy just won Best Picture. And I was saying to him, like, you might win Best Picture. So we talk, we do our rap. Steve Levy had said, I want to make you my star of the night. Very nice of him just to give me some pub for the Oscars. So then the phone had rang, and I'm like, oh, yeah, hello, who's this? And I said, can we have you on SportsCenter? I'm like, no, one second, I'm still doing my job. I'm working here for Oscar.com. So we do our recap. Leaves calls, and I tape my hip for SportsCenter. We're good to go. And Ben goes, all right, do you want to hang out here? Or do you want to get going? I'm like, no, I guess let's crush some after parties. All right, so part three. 
Moonlight was best picture. So now, because he goes, if you want to just hang, he goes, they're just going to start wandering through. Okay, here's Lonergan, here's Casey Abbott, here's Emma Stone. I'm like, no, it's fine. Let's just get out of here. Let's just go go have some fun. So we walk out, and then Claire Atkins, one of my college football producers, dear friend, texts me and just goes, uh, you're on Deadspin. And I'm like, oh, my God. And and I looked at and it's me, Ben, and his agent, Ryan. He goes, what? I go, we're on Deadspin. And for a broadcast year on Deadspin, you go, oh, my God, what happened? Like, we screwed up. Somebody said a profanity. Like, we're good. Oh, no. And so then I click on the link, and I see they go, no, it's a positive thing. They're showing our live feed. And I'm like, this thing's going to go viral. And sure enough, boom, now I'm getting all these tweets and texts like, hey, you had the funniest reaction. Or, or why is ESPN's Adnan Burke at the Oscars? And why is he saying Moonlight won Best Picture? And then what was really funny was people started sending, like, mashups. They started playing, like, Johnny Most and the Havlicek stole the ball. Greer putting the ball on play. He gets it out deep, and Havlicek steals it. And then, and then somebody said, "This is your Giants win the pennant moment." There's a long play. It's going to be, I believe, the Giants win the pennant. 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 And then, of course, Al Michaels, Miracle on Ice with yes. <laughs> So looking back, obviously my call doesn't fit because I don't have the same hysteria they do. Like, but 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 mine's was true to form in that it was just shock and surprise. Moonlight's one best picture, and then I think I I rose to the occasion as a play by play guy calling the moment because I realized what it was and this is unbelievable. This has never happened before. Oh, what a stunner, Ben! We knew that there would be some shock tonight, and you know, with my co-host, they were they were as shocked as anybody. So. Part three, let's go uh, to the after party. So Bennett hooked us up at Amazon's party, and he goes, listen, if Manchester wins, that's going to be good, of course, they're the producers. So we're like, Casey won and Lonergan won. We get there, and it's just like if Dan and his buddies are just going to go hit a club on a Friday night. You get there. He's on a list. Sorry, we're ca- full of capacity. You guys have to wait outside. And so it's a pretty long lineup. And and I, literally, I was like, oh, this is like, yeah, no. This is like when you're 24, you're just stuck outside of the club. Thankfully, it's not cold. I mean, it's L.A., and we're waiting there 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and Ben's the best. Like we're just hanging out, catching up, and, and we're post-morteming on our broadcast. But it's funny. He looked at me. He goes, you know, normally I would never do this. Like, I would just go home. But I want you to be able to have the story for Cinephile to tell your friends you went to an Oscar party. Like, like this is what it is. It's pretty lame. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah, I'm realizing that. Then we look to our right, and we see a celebrity we were not expecting, which Ben will tell you coming up next, because then he had the gall to go talk to him, and it was great. So that, that actually made the night worthy. Hour, I think it took like an hour actually of waiting outside. We go inside, and it's just like being at a club or a bar. I'm like, all right, have a couple of drinks. Hey, there's Lonergan. Hey, Lonergan, he's got his Oscar. I'm like, okay. And actually, at one point, he walked, brushed by fairly close. I'm like, okay, I can see what the Oscar actually looks like. You know, whatever, 13 and a half inches, eight pounds. I'm like, it was pretty cool to see it, and he's just brandishing it. And then Casey walked in maybe a half hour later, big mob, respectful, but like he's walking in. I'm like, all right, now I can say I've been in the room with a couple of Academy Award winners after they've won their Oscars. I saw I saw Kenneth Lonergan on the red carpet, and now I'm seeing him here with his Oscar. Um, so Ben and I are just chatting away and, and hanging out, and then he's like – and he he hadn't eaten since, like, noon. I mean, he's already thin. Like, these, these guys – but here's another reason I could never be uh, an entertainment person. I'm just too fat. Like, him, Seacrest, Lopez, these guys don't eat. They're gluten-free. They're vegetables. Like, it's – sticks and i'm like no like i'll have another burger are there any hot dogs here like come on amazon after party so he hadn't eaten since like noon he's like hey do you want to just go to in and out burger i'm like absolutely i do we're both wearing our tuxedos this is great so we grab an uber go to in and out burger at 1 a.m where we talked about othella harrington and michael doliak and like other great nicks of the past a lot of chris child's talk kurt thomas you would have heard there's a great kurt thomas conversation and we walk back and then it's like two o'clock and then mike gold jr is calling me for first and last and then my boy Dan is doing Mike and Mike, and he says, Greeny loves your drop. He keeps playing it. And at this point now, I've been able to go back to the hotel, and I was able to scroll through it. And now it's just it's constant text. Moonlight, one best picture! And now I've truly realized it has taken on a life of its own because everybody's emailing and texting going, oh, my God, you're actually there. Um, so I didn't sleep. It was nice enough that Dan got me on with Greeny and Golick. Those guys were great, as they always have been. And I knew that would be good. I'm like, that'll make the podcast, and they'll keep playing whatever bites that I used from that time. It's now 3.30 in the morning. Head to the airport, let the uh, exultation just kind of wash all over me and uh, appreciate what happened. Get on the plane, go to Atlanta, slept finally for a few hours, land, turn on the phone, 26 messages. I'm like, oh, my God. And it's all these ESPN affiliates saying, can we have you on? 
Lebertard show. Actually, Mike Ryan had reached out before I took the plane. I'm like, I can do it, but it's like a 20-minute window when I land in Atlanta before I've got to catch the flight to Hartford. He's like, ah, oh, too tight. Don't worry about it. But after I landed, talked to Kerry Champion on SportsCenter. And this is what was tricky because now they're saying what actually happened. And I'm like, well, listen, in the moment, I'm just reacting. And then I asked one of the producers afterwards before Ben and I were like, let's just get out of here. We want to go to the after party. And all they said is I think it was the wrong envelope. So I, I get it for a person at home. You go, okay, maybe you went to bed early and you woke up and you heard about the controversy. So now I'm supposed to be the expert. Like, well, what actually happened? I'm like, well, I don't know. Like I was backstage. I'm, I'm as blown away as anybody. It's not like I would have been on the phone all day. I've been traveling. I've been, you know, I'm exhausted. So I kind of felt bad, you know, he's on with Rasil and Canal. It's like, well, what happened? I'm like, I don't actually know any more than anybody. But we'll have Ben on, obviously, and I'm sure he'll have more insight now that we understand it. But, yes, what I was told was they have duplicate envelopes, and Beatty had the wrong envelope. And so when he opened it up and he just saw Best Actress Emma Stone, he didn't know what to do. And I feel for him. I, I don't think in front of a billion people you would just go, oh, sorry, guys, I've been given the wrong card. But that's obviously what he should have done because he just looks so flustered and shocked. Like, uh, and then the hands have done away and throws her under the bus. And uh, it's just a shame because, like, they're icons. And now for, like, 18-year-old kids that don't know anything about movies, they're going to go, oh, those are the people that screwed up the Oscars. So uh, it was not a conspiracy. I can assure you of that for anybody throwing that out there. Like, this is the Oscars. Like, I was there. I could feel the prestige and how seriously they take this. And if people want to take shots and say they're a bunch of liberal elitists who are self-absorbed, that's fine. But I loved every single second of it. I thought it was a magical experience. It was one of the best nights of my life. As somebody who loves movies and breathes movies and just, you know, has cinema on his bones to actually be there was incredible. Hopefully I can get asked back. People are asking. I I have no idea. We had nice feedback from the producer, the director. Ben and I thought we did a good job, but I don't know. It may have been – if it was only one time, I'm, I'm grateful for eternity that it happened. We were actually talking about it. Where do you think that day ranks in the best days of your life? Keep in mind, you're married with three children. That's what to say. Uh, so number one, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll do it after wedding day, birth of kids. Right no, there. I'm going honesty. <laughs> so you would think it's the greatest. Cause, and I was careful when I tweeted because I, I, we got a picture with the crew, and they were so sweet. Uh, Whitney, one of the, the members of the crew, she said to me, she goes, like, who are you? And I said, what? She goes, like, we didn't, like, no offense, I don't know who you are. I'm like, no, I got it. I, would, I wouldn't know who I am either. She's like, we just heard you're some sportscaster. And then when you started talking about Iranian cinema and, like, the salesman, I'm like, who is this? Like, how much research did you do? And then Ben started laughing. He's like, I told you. Like, he's, he's, he's like this. Like, me and him are like this. We're just nuts. So I was flattered that anybody I'll take was that playing. as a, so it was the best day of your life. Uh, I, so just, no, I won't tell you why. No, I was, very, I was very careful. I said, one of the best nights of my life. So one of we leave it open one you're emphasizing one i got yeah, it so number one got it okay understood but then it was stressful after like i'm telling you with all these radio affiliates like i just felt stressed i'm like they're like oh i gotta do this i gotta do this I'm like, i just want to go home and sleep and just by the way this is the this is my life when i, when I got home gotta change shaz and Nero's diaper there's no ground groceries I had to go to moe's pick up burritos for the family and then like when i was watching the oscars back then it actually hit the, the surrealness of it i'm like Hey, 24 hours ago, I was there, and now I'm watching what actually happened. I'm like, this is just ludicrous that it all happened. The only person that can make any more sense of it is our boy, Ben Lyons, who's coming up right now. I read a report that says that winter is the toughest time for sleeping. It's got something to do with how your body adjusts to darker days, longer nights, and central heating. Well, sleeping is not a problem for me. I get a great night's sleep every night on my Casper mattress. You can, too. Casper is one perfect mattress. It's two high-tech foams provide all the comfort and support you need and keeps your body at the right temperature. And I'm not alone in loving Casper. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. The mattress ships for free in a box so small you won't believe there's a mattress in there. You can even try your Casper for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine and refund you everything. No questions asked. Casper's got the right bounce, the right sink, and guaranteed to give you the best night's sleep ever. Try your Casper in your home for 100 nights with free shipping and returns. Go to casper.com slash cinephile and use code cinephile for $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. That's casper.com slash cinephile, code cinephile, and get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. So the man who is in charge of making dreams come true, Ben Lyons, joins us now. My man. I, I miss you already, brother. It was so much fun. Ah, oh, back to real life, huh, man? Back to real life. How about that Kansas comeback? <laughs> Wednesday night college basketball on ESPN2 will never be better. The three, and I peppered you with stories the entire time because of all the years you've covered entertainment celebrities. The three best stories that you told me, 
uh, was the Al Pacino encounter, uh, the story about your dad and the Red Sox and the Gilbert Gottfried. Unfortunately, we cannot show the Gilbert Gottfried story, but it's the best one. But for the audience, because, you know, I, I want people to understand this life that you have lived, and then we'll get to the contemporary. Tell me what it was like the one time you interviewed Pacino. The one time I interviewed Pacino, I was so excited. Here I am, ready to sit down with one of the great American actors of our time. I want to talk Serpico, and I want to talk Attica, Attica, and all these great moments on screen. And we did it for Jack and Jill, Chandler, <laughs> and Katie Holmes. So we sit down in the junket, and we have our own room, so they come to us, which gives us a little more time, which is nice. And Adam sit down. He sits down, and I've known him a little bit from doing stuff over the years. And he goes, have you ever interviewed Al before? And Pacino's getting mic'd. I go, no, I haven't. He goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the first so WB Pacino is for Jack and Jill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that was a tough one. I'm surprised Charlize didn't make the list there, but we can't tell that one on. on, oh, yeah, on no, that, oh, you're right. You're actually sorry. That is the best story. Giamatti's story also great. You can tell the Giamatti story. This one's pretty good, too. Go ahead. Well, Giamatti uh, being a, a, a professional dilettante, essentially. The dilettante uh, and the – yeah, dilettante's the right word, yeah. You know, is that is that actors pick on – you know, they pick up certain things for six weeks and doing research for, a, you know, for a project. You get to learn how to be an FBI agent and carry a gun and walk into a room. Or in Giamatti's case, you learn how to be a falconer. Uh, and he did some tiny little indie Sundance movie that, of course, Adnan knew the name of. The Hawk is Dying. Which is amazing. Um, and now he can sit at dinner parties for the rest of his life. And if someone says they're into falconry, he's able to talk to them for 20 minutes. Like, it's unbelievable these, the lives that these actors have lived. And what is, about my life getting to interview them, but to them getting to, you know, go and have these life experiences make them some of the most dynamic and, and worldly interesting people you'll ever meet. And then what did he say to you when he won a Golden Globe? <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. So we're in the lobby the year he won a Golden Globe for some john adams hbo series or something and i'm with my buddy the fat jewish on instagram who i've known since we were kids and we're walking through the hotel lobby and he goes hey look everyone golden globe in hand there's gene shallot sperm (laughs) (laughs) like no jeffrey Lyons is his dad not gene shallot but nice try Stuff. I yeah, teased stuff. it earlier. I said we, there was a celebrity that we saw at Republic, and then I said we saw the celebrity at Amazon. Reveal for the audience who's been patiently listening who both celebrities were. Yeah, really, really good, strong Oscar weekend celeb sightings. We saw everybody on the red carpet. That doesn't count. When we were out at dinner, we saw the redhead from Clueless. <laughs> Forget her name. That was a strong pull. She looked great. I love that you, the way you did it, you just wrote it on your phone. And just handed me your phone. You know, part of me, Adnan, for the weekend, I kind of felt like I was playing Hollywood tour guide a little bit with you. You know what I mean? (laughs) I wanted to give you that full experience because, as you said many times throughout the weekend, this might not ever happen again for you. So (laughs) we we had to pack it all in. By the way, two two funniest lines of our entire broadcast. (laughs) One was me saying at the end, to your point, I said, we'll see you next year. Like, just as if you and I have like 10 year deals signed in to Oscar.com. And two, as now we talk about the moment everyone is still talking about when Best Picture happened. And the fact that you said, still a great night for the Oscars, Adnan. Every time I hear it, it's great because you, you are so smart in the moment. You're like, you knew, oh no, people are going to be critical of this moment, but we're working for the Academy. So hey, it's still been a great night. And unfortunately, everyone's going to harp on this one moment. It, it was really a little tip of the cap to Steve Harvey there, you know, still a great night. I mean, that that was the funniest moment of his snafu at the Miss Universe or World or whatever when he tried to cover his tracks. I just love that. And it's so it was so apropos for what we were experiencing. And then back to your first question, other strong celebrity Oh, yeah, the second as celebrity. We were, yeah. As we were waiting in line to get into the Amazon party, and, and you know, people people don't like waiting in line in Hollywood. And they you roll up to the to the door, and they say, "Oh yeah, you're all you're all on the list, but uh, there's a fire marshal here, so if we just kindly ask you." And everybody's a somebody, right? So no one's feeling good on that line. 
I knew it was going to work out. We're hanging out. And there, Regis. Regis Philbin right in front of us. Getting it in on a Sunday night. I was like, okay, Regis. So I said a little hello and kind to my family. No, he, was pu- he was pumped to see you. As soon as you said, hey, I'm Ben Lyons, my dad, Jeffrey. He was, he was excited to see you because I'm like, Regis is not going to take this well from most. But he, he lit up with you at least. Well, it's a testament of my father. They've been old friends for a long time. That New York media scene, you know, at screenings, and he's been on his show and stuff. So, but think yeah, about like it's, was, it's like as you said to me, one. it's Sunday night. It's it's like eleven o'clock at night. What is Regis Philbin doing? Out? He was going to another party. He was party hopping. <laughs> that night wasn't over for Regis. He was just getting started. Uh, now that we've had time to assess it all, uh, what is the final verdict of what happened with Best Picture? It was two envelopes. I believe it's a two-envelope theory because they give the envelope to the winner as a keepsake. And let's say an envelope gets damaged or lost or ripped or something, some champagne spills on it or whatever. They have to have another one there on deck, and they might even have another one there for some type of, I don't know, research or museum or, you know, chronalizing, you know, what happened at the Oscars or something like that. I don't know. Is it some Academy museum or it goes into the, I live across, I live really close to the Academy in, in Hollywood. So maybe they save them and put them in some room and I don't know, but it has to be a second envelope theory because Emma Stone, I remember her. Thank you, Cam. I remember her coming up to, to, to speak on our little microphone that we kept cutting to and her publicist, Holly is standing there. And they gave Holly the envelope. It's like, oh, and I remember thinking, oh, that's great. Emma's got her envelope. That's pretty cool. So then 20 minutes later, when the second envelope appears on stage and you bust into your Al Michaels at the 1980 Olympics call, <laughs> do you believe in miracles? Moonlight won Best Picture. Can you believe we were? Um, I, I told the story earlier. The fact we were on Deadspin, the look in your face and your agent Ryan's face, like, oh, my God, we're on Deadspin. And it ended up being a positive. That doesn't happen to anybody, right? Well, it's the same look I had on my face on the clip on Deadspin, where I'm just deadpan <laughs> to the camera, like, oh. So ridiculous, man. Uh, closing the whole thoughts? thing was ridiculous. This is, this um, was your 11th thoughts, Oscars. Yes, um, the, the call of the week was, ad, uh, was, um, was Stantic passing on hotel access. <laughs> that would have been a bad look. <laughs> Because Ryan, your agent, was not only Hotel Access, obviously, but he was on the red carpet. Now, Troy Gentile, who was with us from the Goldbergs, I believe his buddy Brendan had some red carpet access, but then may have been demoted to just Hotel Access. So you think Stanzik was prescient in his in his reasoning? Yeah, yeah. Hotel Access is, is not a good look for Stanzik. Stanzik's a red carpet guy. we got to figure that out, hopefully, for next year. But Hotel Access <laughs> would not have been a good look. He would have been really, really miserable. You know that I resist cheap sentiment when it comes to cinema, but I will indulge in some now. Uh, as I said to the audience earlier, just upon meeting you, I felt like we've been friends for years, and that's a credit to you and your warmth and your generosity and your charisma, and I want you to know, no matter what, I know that this did not happen without you. You were instrumental in one of the greatest nights of my life, and I know that this is just the beginning for you and me. We're going to do more stuff together and hopefully crush Sundance and Toronto, and if there's anything I can ever do, man, to repay you for this, uh, just please let me know. Oh, dude, I, I appreciate that, man. It was really fun to have you there. You crushed. You made me look like a rock star to everybody at Oscar.com because I've been fighting for you, and I knew you would do an awesome job. And it's really great when you see people rise to the occasion, and you just you dominated. There was a moment there. You were on for like 25 minutes, and I'm standing there at the shrimp buffet. I was like, are they going to – did Adnan just box me out? Of no, never. Covering never. the Oscars? <laughs> Rich, by the no, way, very... it was a blast, dude. It was so much fun. And again, this is my 11th year doing, 10th or 11th year doing this stuff. So to have you there with wide eyes and a fresh face, the young kid coming out of Connecticut, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is great. This, this made it a lot of fun. My whole life, I always feel like I'm the young guy because this is not interesting to anybody, but it is important. I did skip grade two, so I've always been a year younger than everybody I'm in school with. The craziest thing is at 38, you still feel relatively young and because you're 35, but you look 25. Sophia's 23. Troy's 24. I was like the oldest guy, like by a wide margin. I felt like I'm some sort of authoritarian figure there on Oscar Dot com. I'm Tom Osborne. You're our, cha- you're our chaperone on live uh, on live internet, whatever Ugh. you want to call it. But yeah, it's funny. One Troy said to me during rehearsal the day before, he goes, "Man, it's so great to be here with you. I grew up watching you at the Oscars," and I was like, "Oh man, what? What? Oh, it's so good. I, keep those Gilbert Gottfried stories coming. You're the best. We'll talk soon." 
Take care. Enjoy Kong next weekend. We get back to real life <laughs> in the movies. No more, no more moonlight in the salesman. Oh, hang on. Good old American blockbuster. Sorry, Ben. Before I let you go, I, I teased the audience earlier how much I was how happy I was to see Michael Shannon, and then you interviewed Michael Shannon. People want to know what Michael Shannon's like. Please tell us. Michael Shannon is as intense in real life as he is on screen. I've interviewed him maybe six, seven times in my life, and every time he walks over. I just don't know what to say. I completely go blank. It's the only actor I've ever interviewed where this happens, where he comes over and I, I just, I, I, what do you say to him? He comes, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, good to see you. And he's just like, uh, um, what? Uh, <laughs> Sophia is so genuine and so excited. And she says, how do you get into this dark place? when you take on these roles in like nocturnal animals and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. Cause he's a dark, crazy dude. <laughs> so I think maybe that's why he's awesome though. And I, for some reason, a buddy of mine from high school was watching at home and he called me afterwards because I love how you do this. I love how you just throw in random films that have no business being mentioned at the Oscars. I signed off my interview with Shannon saying, and if after you go see nocturnal animals, be sure you go check them out in the Iceman. And it was like, yes. what? Why well did done. I do that? Serial yeah, but killer. why? Like, I didn't do that for any other actor. I don't know what comes over me when Shannon walks up. It just gets weird. But I think, I mean, you made the point when we were crushing In-N-Out Burger that how many people like you and me would go from a Kenneth Lonergan conversation to a, a Kurt Thomas and then LaFonso Ellis conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Here you are being like, come on, tell me some stories about John Favreau. And I'm like, give me some LaFonso Ellis. Like, I want to talk to Denver in the 90s. <laughs> That's what I want. We got a good we got a good exchange going, me and you. Oh, you're the best, man. We'll talk to you soon. Stan Dick, red carpet, twenty eighteen. We'll see you there. Thanks, Adnan. You crushed. Later. Porzingis forever. Bye. <laughs> Streaming suggestions. Once again, Dan and I are banking on a lot of people listening for the first time. So on Netflix right now, Blazing Saddles, one of the funniest movies of all time. Excuse me while I whip this out. Memento, Christopher Nolan's groundbreaking film. People always say Chris Nolan's one of the top five directors working. Yes, he is. What are his best movies? Dark Knight, as fabulous as it is, I always hold a soft spot for Memento. Just ingeniously plotted. You'll never see a guy pierced in a better performance. One of the finest screenplays. Um of my existence, and Midnight in Paris, Woody Allen's last great film, uh, returned to form for him. You know, sometimes you look at these directors, they start to fade a little bit, but Woody came back, won the Oscar for screenplay. I, I would think, Dan, you as a, a person who loves reading and history, you, you must have liked it. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. My takeaway was we always romanticize the past mm. and always think it was a lot better than it actually was. I thought it was fantastic. Love the guy who played Hemingway, too. He was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Who wants to fight? Also, right now on Hulu, Terminator 2, one of my brother's favorite movies. Carrie Chow did one up me one time on Mike and Mike. We said, best summer blockbusters, and I don't know how I missed it. It's one of the great summer blockbusters. I remember when that movie came out, it was like T2, Judgment Day. If you want a great classic action movie, watch that. And Up in the Air, one of Dan's favorites, Anna Kendrick, George Clooney, currently streaming. Oh, my goodness. Anna Kendrick's coming out party. She was incredible in that <laughs> film and was nominated for an Oscar. And Vera Farmiga, a great twist at the end you will not see coming. HBO Now, American Psycho, Christian Bale, ripped, raunchy, violent, entertaining film. And The Cider House Rules. Right now you're thinking, The Cider House Rules? That doesn't sound like a movie you'd like. Well, yes, it would because it's got Michael Caine. And if you want to talk like Michael Caine, you must only say a few words. At a time. Actor Showcase. Actor Showcase, Leonardo DiCaprio is one of uh, Dan's favorite actors. He and Denzel Washington are your favorites. Denzel, I saw, I don't have a Denzel story for you. Unfortunately, did not like come up to me and go, hey, by the way, I love your work on baseball tonight. But <laughs> we've talked about his best movies in the past. Leo also there, by the way, in case anyone's wondering, didn't see him at all. So, like, I knew he'd be presenting, but I didn't see him on the red carpet, nothing. So, Leo probably just forget the easy pass. He just went in the back row. Um, Gangs of New York does not make the list, even though it's one of my favorite movies of his, because we're looking at just his performance, not the actual quality of movie. And, yes, J. Edgar did not make the list or Man in the Iron Mask. Number five, Titanic. Iconic performance from he. Of course, the wonderful chemistry between he and Kate Winslet. Titanic, no matter what. 
Leonardo DiCaprio, for better or for worse, will always be thought of saying, I'm the king of the world. Number four is Django Unchained. I love this performance as a supporting actor in a really excellent Tarantino film with bright, colorful performances. Christoph Waltz, Jamie Foxx. I thought Leo was sensational and arguably upended them all. The scene where he's just so... Um, villainous and just so racist at the table talking with the black skull is one that just gives me chills and a role that he clearly did relish. Number three is The Aviator. After Gangs of New York, some criticized Leo, thought he was miscast by Scorsese, his boyish looks just overwhelmed by the great towering performance by Daniel Day-Lewis. Well, this time with Scorsese, Leo was the star and there was no doubting he was in his element as The Aviator, charming and suave and able to capture all that Howard Hughes represented before the OCD kicked in. Number two is The Departed. We talked about it last time or previous time on Cinephile. Uh, wonderful performance, perhaps the best one so far that he's done uh, with Scorsese. If it wasn't for my number one, which is The Wolf of Wall Street. I thought that was Leo at his best. He's clearly having a blast. Uh, he's intense. He's over the top. He's funny. The speeches that he gives alone are worthy of an Oscar nomination, just seeing how fevered up he gets and how uh, impassioned he is with the crowd. And, of course, once the drugs kick in, I mean, for the scene alone where he and Jonah Hill are on quaaludes, the the ability to have that type of physical comedy and to do that performance, my top five Leonardo DiCaprio movies, Wolf of Wall Street, The Departed, The Aviator, Django Unchained, and Titanic. I got to take issue with this. Obviously, your top three are all Scorsese films. Like, there's a big surprise. I almost thought maybe we should just go Marty top five and then a non-Leo, non-Marty Leo top five. You didn't have The Revenant, which I didn't think was great, but he won Best Actor for it. But so I don't it think should be worthy best. of top five, you would think. No, I mentioned five. You didn't have Inception, which was a tremendous film. You referenced Christopher Nolan earlier. You didn't have Blood Diamond. I know his accent was terrible, but yeah, I bring Blood Diamond up no. because of this. Hang on. 2006, Warner Brothers really screwed up. How was he not nominated for The Departed? Why? Because they wanted to get him nominated for Blood Diamond, yeah, okay. which I think was a mistake. And I also loved Catch Me If You Can. You didn't have him in there. Catch Me If You Can, worthy of a mention, an honorable mention. I dispute Blood Diamond because of the bad accent. Inception, good, but again, I, I don't... He's really good. The movie's great, but I don't think it's a great Leo performance. So we will uh, disagree there. Um, Catch Me If You Can, I agree, because he's, again, light... He's light on his feet. You know, these movies are more of his kind of dark, serious roles. Catch Me If You Can shows his comic timing and his charm, and I agree. It's a nice compliment to kind of show his total arsenal. Those are Leo's top five in our opinion. Actors in three words. Been a while since we've done this. Nobody loves it more than Mark Simon. What do we got, Dan? I think it's our best feature that we do. It's phenomenal. Oh, nice. We'll start with Alec Baldwin. Number one is Trump, because <laughs> that's what everyone's thinking about. Number two is Brawny. Like, I think he's just a really physical, masculine guy. It was really funny when he was on SNL the last time. Uh, Pete Davidson was joking about, oh, my God, that's what, look how good looking he used to be. Look, look at you then. And Baldwin's playing along. He's like, well, at least I once did look like that. And even though he's like, you know, he's stocky now and heftier. I mean, he's, he's Brawny. I, I think he's just a physical actor. Think of The Departed and just like what a masculine guy he is. And the third one, I would say is versatile. I, you know, Colin Coward had said I'd heard on his radio show saying Jimmy Fox is the most talented guy in Hollywood. I, I think Baldwin is up there because he can do comedy, he can do drama, he could do historical fiction like he's done, you know, he was in um, stuff with Scorsese, he did The Aviator, um, he was in Ghost of Mississippi, he was nominated for an Oscar for The Cooler, which he plays like a tough guy bouncer. Like, I think Baldwin could do anything. Like, the fact that 30 Rock, they, I think 30 Rock was the key. Once you saw the level of his comedic chops, I'm like, I don't know how many guys could play like ruthless gangsters and then do really funny executives like him. All right. Someone that was at, at the Oscars and you haven't referenced her yet, Charlize Theron. Yeah, I didn't see her on the red carpet. First one is Monster because, of course, she won the Oscar for that one. Number two is Stunning. And number three is South African. I don't really do a South African accent, but I can just say South African. <laughs> All right. John Turturro. I love Totoro. And by the way, listen to Alec Baldwin's podcast. Totoro was on it. He's awesome. In 54 minutes, they talked about Do the Right Thing and playing Pino, uh, which is why one of the words is Spike, because I think of the great Spike Lee movies he's did, not only Do the Right Thing, but also Jungle Fever. Uh, but he talked with Baldwin about the night of and why you know it's been a great comeback for him. Number two is eccentric. You listen to the interview. He does seem kind of like an eccentric guy. Um, and in terms of his passions and his, his humor, and even his characters always kind of seem eccentric. Maybe I shouldn't even say uh, it about him because you know, maybe he's finally just a normal guy. But I think of Herbie Stemple. He's so great in Quiz Show, and he ta told Baldwin he loves that movie and working with Robert Redford. He called Redford actually kind of eccentric, and he used it with the character of Herbie Stemple. 
And the third word I would say is empathy. You listen to that interview, and even in his performances, he always really seems like an empathetic character and a guy who really cares about other people. You know, he never plays like real jerks, with the exception of Do the Right Thing, obviously, where he's just this uh, unrepentant racist. But in his other movies, like The Night Of, he's just such a caring, empathetic character. He really cares so much uh, for trying to do the best thing for Nas. You know, he's got this horrific condition with his feet, and yet he's, you know, always striving to do the right thing. He, he, empathy is the word I always think of with Totoro. I thought you were going to go feet. I'm glad you didn't. Uh, Halle Berry. Gorgeous is one, even though the hair threw me off when I saw her on the red carpet. Two, Trailblazer, first black woman to win Best Actress Oscar for Monsters Ball. And three, I don't know how you use this in a word, so I'll just say unfulfilled, meaning after she won that Oscar for Monsters Ball, it's been 15 years of pretty... It's a fair criticism. Yeah. So how how would you say you reached the peak and then never went unfulfilled? Coasting. Okay, coasting. Gorgeous. Declining. Declining is a better word. It's a slow fade. (laughs) Yeah, a slow fade. She's still bringing heat physically, but... But but like what the roles last... haven't been great. Swordfish. No. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, terrible. Uh, and finally, Tim Robbins. First one is ladder, which works in a dual meaning. One, he's as tall as a ladder because I went to the World Series in 2000 with my buddy Cab, and Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon were sitting in front of us. And when Tim Robbins stood up, by the way, Vince Vaughn also is gargantuan. Robbins, I saw. Uh, sorry, Vaughn, I saw at the Oscars. He was doing the procession. I kind of want to jump in, Chicago sports fan. Hey, how about the Blackhawks, Cubs? But when Chris Chelios was here in the World Cup of Hockey, he was like, yeah, Vaughn's not the friendliest guy. So I'm like, you know what? I don't need to jump in just to talk swingers. If I'd had time, I would have jumped in. But ladder for Tim Robbins because he's so tall, like Vince Vaughn. And two, Jacob's Ladder, which my boy Jay Nats loves that movie. It's a horror movie. I saw it a lot in college. I think it's an underrated Tim Robbins movie. Uh, number two is Mets because I saw him at that Mets game. and He's a big Mets fan. And three is Mystic. Because of Mystic River, he won an Academy Award, his best performance in that Clint Eastwood film. What or about Shawshank? I was going to say Sarandon is another word because everyone thinks of that. You want Shawshank? You got, you got a lot of choices. Bull Durham, Shawshank. Okay, I could say, how about this? Dufresne. Uh, okay. I don't want to say Shawshank because I think of the whole If I just say Dufresne, I'm like, oh, yeah, Tim Robbins. You do like Rita Hayworth or something? <laughs> yeah, Rita Hayworth. <laughs> Your choice, Dufresne or Rita Hayworth. How about Zaywantaneo? <laughs> A Scorsese story. I know we're going the extended edition here, so I'll make this one tight. A lot of people have been tweeting, asking me, have you seen this? What does this mean? The Irishman going to Netflix. Quite simply, this is what movies are doing now. Uh, it was supposed to be doing, uh, film was supposed to be done at Paramount, I should say. So Brad Gray left. He was the president there. So all of a sudden, it's an expensive movie, of course, because you've got De Niro and Pacino involved, and, and Marty doesn't unless he has to, like with Silence, he made it for $46 million. But even, he said in another interview I saw, it was only made for $22 million. He was 24, but it was just like lawyer fees and like all these legalities and stuff. Like, that's nuts. So the budget of the film and twice as much of that is, how much are lawyers being paid right now? Cost overruns and whatever. So if he really wants to do something right, like Casino cost $50 million back in 95. Now you want to make a great gangster movie, which The Irishman is. I need $100 million. So Paramount balked at the price, and Scorsese's people put together. Netflix jumped in. And people said, oh, my God, no. How could a Scorsese movie be on Netflix? But hang on a second. First and foremost, they're going to have it try to get, obviously, Academy Award recognition. No, this is not like a miniseries all of a sudden. They're not just dumping it on Netflix. We'll do what Amazon did, which is partner up with Manchester by the Sea. Um, you know, listen, Amazon, Netflix, these streaming services, that they're thinking outside the box. They'll still make it a theatrical experience, meaning – what Netflix will do is this. They've now acquired the rights. When the Irishman comes out, like 2018, 2019, they'll put it in New York and L.A. and Toronto, Chicago, major markets for a week, maybe just a weekend. But you've got to have it eligible for consideration, like what they did with Silence, which came out that December 23rd weekend when I drove to New York to go see it. And then it opens a little bit wider. Now, the difference is in, in Netflix's case, they may go, listen, one week theatrical release only. New York, Chicago, LA major markets, and then it's just available on Netflix and force people to stream. So that's that's going to be the catch. You're going to go, wait, so if I don't get it in in the first three days, like opening weekend, I have to watch a Martin Scorsese movie on my laptop on Netflix? And it's like, well, yeah, that's what Netflix is doing, saying, because now the budget apparently swelled to like $125 million. The best news for Marty is this. Anybody saying, oh, my God, one of our nation's greatest directors is now relegated to Netflix? no. He has complete creative control. Part of the deal was now, if he wants to make a four-hour movie, well, it's on Netflix. Like He has no restrictions when it comes to editing, which if you want to look at be negative about Scorsese, his movies have gotten a lot longer. On the next Scorsese story, I'm going to talk about Bringing Out the Dead. That's the last movie he made that was around two hours. That's two hours and f- – oh, it's actually – 
It's an hour 58 or like two hours and four minutes. Ever since 1999, like Gangs is three hours. Wolf of Wall Street is three hours. Silence, two hours and 40 minutes. So now the Irishman on Netflix, he's going to be like, all right, four hours. Let's do it. I, I guess I don't understand because Manchester by the Sea, Amazon, but right. that was in theaters for months. Yeah, so exactly. So that was an example where people were nervous at first and going, wait, is it just going to be on Amazon? But they were like, no, we'll still do it as a true theatrical release, even though that they put it out. With Netflix is saying, no, no, no. We're still going to bring it under the Netflix. It's not just the Amazon umbrella. Well, I, I don't understand exactly how it works, but wouldn't they make more money if it was in theaters longer? That would be my thought. So that's the part I don't get. But they're like, but they, they want to make it exclusive to Netflix. I'm like, yeah, but like you're just going to sign up for Netflix just to watch the movie, I guess. I don't know. But my, my thought, what I read, because like, it's not going to be in theaters. It's Netflix only. I'm like, no, it'll be in theaters, but it may just be a weekend of major cities. It may just be one week only. I, I don't think it'll be, to your question, in Manchester by the situation. I don't think you'll be able to see the Irishman in theaters for like two months. I think it's going to be like limited release and then boom, it's on Netflix. But hey, I'm happy for Marty. He got his money and De Niro and Pacino are going to be back again uh, and hopefully much better than Righteous Kill. So that will settle those questions. Thank you so much for listening to Cinephile. I'm Adnan Verk. Obviously been a fun journey. Hopefully next time um, we'll be at the Oscars together. Me and Dan will be doing it together. Cinephile will go there. Special thanks to Pete Genesini, who not only just walked in the door, but also gave us uh, the blank check to do Cinephile. And as much love as I've given to Ben Lyons, because it is totally with Ben uh, vouching for me to do this, without this podcast, it wouldn't have happened. Because, you know, Ben and I talked a little bit. He's like, no, I know he likes movies. But once he heard Cinephile, and I asked him, I go, what was the tipping point? that you started pushing the Oscars people. He goes, well, once you told the story about going to see Silence with your th- wife and three kids and dropping them off at Shake Shack, I said, all right, take that clip and go give it to the Academy. They'll go, all right, this guy needs to come to the Oscars. Because imagine you're saying, well, he's some sportscaster to ESPN. He likes movies. Like, well, a lot of people like movies. Like, no offense, what Jamel and Michael like movies. Uh, 6 PSC. All right, great. Captain America. Like, no, no, Verk is nuts. We've got to get him here. How many other people besides me and Ben Lyons can talk Kenneth Lonergan, but also Michael Doliak and Kurt Thomas? Kindred spirits, all you Knicks fans. We'll see you next time on Cinephile. Thank you for listening. I'll see you at the movies. Don't miss out on the next episode of Cinephile. Subscribe to the Adnan Burke Movie Podcast by clicking the Listen tab in the ESPN app. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.